Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose to bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. And what's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of TrackSounds.com. And on this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I am Christopher Coleman, and joining me today is... Kristen Romanelli of Filmscore Monthly Online. And I'm Dane Walker, the smiling composer in parentheses. <laughs> Today is Sunday, April 6, 2019, and in this episode, we discuss the recently released teaser trailer for the upcoming film, Joker, and its use of Charlie Chaplin's famous song, Smile. Maybe... You can find all episodes of The Soundcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. And you can send us your very valuable feedback to soundcastattractsounds.com or use our SpeakPipe widget on our site. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Audio Soundcast. If you just smile. And today we have a special guest joining us to talk about the Joker trailer and specifically the use of Charlie Chaplin's music or his song of smile. And that is author Jim Lochner, who is the author of the music of Charlie Chaplin. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me, Chris. And Dane and Kristen. Hooray. <laughs> Hooray. So glad you're here. It's great to have you. Uh, this whole episode really came from a tweet that you made, Jim, um, the day that uh, the Joker trailer came out. Everyone was watching it and talking about it. And then you had tweeted out um, something to the effect of uh, something, something calling attention to the use of smile um, in the Joker trailer, which that song was famously written by Charlie Chaplin. And I thought, aha, this would be an interesting topic to uh, talk about on the Soundcast and to shed some light on the Song of Smile, which apparently has an interesting story all of its own. Um, and so I thought, I think Jim might be the best man to to talk about this. Um, so that's what we're going to do uh, tonight. Uh, if you're listening and you're not familiar with what are you talking about, Joker, there's a Joker movie coming? Well, yeah, there is. Um, the trailer was re- was just released on April 3rd. It's already gotten 36 million views. Pretty popular trailer. Um, the film itself releases on October 4th, 2019. So before we get into the song of Smile, let's talk about the trailer uh, for Joker, first of all, to kind of set the stage. Um and actually, take a step back even before that. What was everyone's feelings about this film prior to uh, the trailer coming out on the third? Dane? 
Um, I'm a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix, and I thought he'd put a unique spin on it. Um, but and uh, I don't know. I kind of thought it was a sign that DC didn't know what they were doing because I thought, why are they doing another dark film? Because none of their dark ones are working, and all of their bright ones are working. Um, so I thought, you know, what are they doing? Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. what I thought about it going into it. Jim, what did you think? Uh, what were you? What were your feelings about the film before seeing the trailer? Well, hopefully, nobody kills me, but I'm not really a superhero person. <laughs> um, but I do love Batman. Who, that's who I sort of grew up with. And uh, there's nothing more fun than a pissed-off rich dude. Um, so, <laughs> except for in there in politics. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to let that slide. I wasn't going to say a word. No, nope, nope, not going there. <laughs> I had to quantify. Um, but I had no idea there was actually a Joker movie coming out. So I'm completely out of the loop oh. on that one. Okay. So was that trailer the your introduction to it completely? Yeah. And I wouldn't have known about it if my friend Justin Craig hadn't pointed it out and sent it to me in a text. So wow. okay. all of this is because of Justin, including that tweet who gave me the suggestion for putting that tweet out there. Oh, wow. Okay. So it all comes back to Justin as it most does. things do. <laughs> uh, Kristen, what were your feelings about the film prior to the trailer? Man, I thought this was like an elaborate joke until <laughs> until the trailer hit. I mean, it's written by the you guy. You never know with Joaquin Phoenix. It's written by the guy who did the Hangover movies. <laughs> the Hangover movies. Like, that's his yep. career highlight before he yep. like produced A Star is Born. So, yep. I... Man... Do you think the Joker's going to have a monkey? No. Oh, okay. Let's thought, you know, bringing it from the Hangover movies, it might be a monkey. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Uh, Nor do we want a duet with the Joker singing anything. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> um, I wasn't very interested. Uh, it just sounded like everything at at Warner regarding DC was kind of just collapsing into a crazy mess of just doing random stuff. Um, And so I was just kind of like, meh, who cares? So that's kind of where I was uh, when the trailer buzz started to hit. So let's talk about that. Gotham has lost its way. What kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded? Someone who hides behind a mask. Kristen, what did you think of the actual trailer? I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty good trailer. You, I'm, I've given my feelings on trailers before on the Soundcast. <laughs> I'm sure not a huge fan of you know, dissecting trailers and their music and trailers in general, they tend to be, I don't know, I don't like them. And Hmm. in general, I hate the idea of a Joker movie. So. (laughs) Okay. Wow. (laughs) But you said, but you did manage to sneak in there that you thought the trailer was okay or pretty good. As far as a trailer goes. Yeah. It is a very good trailer. Um, (laughs) But I mean, a 
God, the Joker, he shouldn't have an origin story, I think. I mean, they've toyed with it in the comics. They toyed with it in the killing joke where they had him be like a lab tech who was moonlighting as a stand-up comedian who was really bad. And then he was doing petty crime as the Red Hood at night and he was being chased by Batman and he falls into the vats. And, you know, that was one take that Alan Moore expanded on based off of a 1951 story, I think. And that's fine, but I, I, I prefer him more as an unknown mm. with being an unreli- unreliable narrator, because that's mm. much more scary to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they would show his cell in Arkham Asylum, and instead of having a name on it, it would be a question mark, because they don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I, I, I can see that. These are my feelings on... A Joker movie in general. On the Joker movie overall. Yeah. Overall. Feel- but the trailer was okay. The trailer was good. The trailer okay. was good for a story that shouldn't be told. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's saying a lot. If you already going in with her like, this story shouldn't even be told. I mean, and yet, at the end, like, if they're like, this might be his story, this might not be his story. Yeah. So, I mean, Heath Ledger's yeah. Joker had, like, a bunch of different backstories. Sure. But. Yeah, that would be a, a, a nice twist that, that that's now been ruined by by you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, Jim, so Justin sent you a link to the trailer. You checked it out. What was your reaction to it? So, like Kristen, I guess I don't want Joker to have a backstory, but I'm not really invested in it, so I didn't really care going in. But I had no clue that Chaplin was part of this. So all of a sudden, I was interested. And listening to the music, the music is what made the trailer for me. The, mm-hmm. the actual use of the music, I'll go into more of that later, but it just blew me away. I've watched it numerous times. I never watch trailers. <laughs> People send me links all the time. I just don't watch them. But mm. this one I watched over and over again. Parts of it creep me out, like the whole you know bathtub scene with his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> not cool. Yeah. Totally not cool. Yeah, um, but it was the music that made it for me oh, and made me actually interested. Mm. I'm just going to let that hang right there. <laughs> so, so if we want to get you to watch a trailer, we just tweet you or send you a text and say, "Hey, there's Charlie Chaplin music in this trailer. Watch it." I might not do it even then. The reason I oh. I just happened to watch this one, and that was a surprise. So the surprise actually made me sit up and take notice and okay. go, oh, well, here's something, you know, a little bit different going on here. And it was a completely different Joker than what I've seen, which I like. I hate it when mm-hmm. they, they all match the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, okay. I liked it quite a bit. Dane, what about you? What do you, you think of the trailer? Uh, I liked it too. I, I, um, there was a shot somebody took. It was on the internet a while back of Joaquin Phoenix in costume walking into onto set. And when mm-hmm. I saw that, I thought, Oh, this could be something else. And then when they, they did the trailer, I, I just was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. It's like taxi driver meets, you know, a comic book character. It seems a pretty unique, pretty unique take on a character. Um, mm. The only part that creeps me out is when he's like bent over and he's like stretching his back. 
and it's bruised and yeah, yeah and he's like and he's like doing that thing and you think is he like ripping something out of himself or something what is he doing yuck <laughs> yeah I don't, uh, and I, yeah i read he lost 50 pounds for this yeah role. oh it looks like he did yeah oh for How sure Christian Bale of him and he did <laughs> sure he didn't need to lose 50 pounds so it, <laughs> he looks really emaciated yeah he does he does uh, but it, it certainly adds to the the very odd and um, uh, I wouldn't say off-putting, but just, you know, it gives you the creeps. You get the creepies as you watch the whole thing, which is, I'm sure, what they were going for. And I thought it was very, very effective. Um, I was really well put together, well edited, uh, even to the music, how they edited the music in there. But it was done very expertly. Um, I had heard some things coming out of CinemaCon, uh, where I guess they revealed the trailer there or some other footage and, you know, people were losing their minds about how dark it was and just how, uh, and I was just like, okay, yeah, this just doesn't sound like something I'm really going to be into. Cause I just expected it to be like Batman V Superman on dark steroids, you know, and you can't <laughs> see anything and all they do is growl and that kind of that's what i was expecting so seeing the way it was shot uh, i was like okay you know this doesn't look nearly as bad as i was thinking so um i kind of flipped on it i was really not interested after hearing those things out of CinemaCon, and then seeing that i was like yep i'm interested in this it looks like it's being played very straight like a drama it's just a drama about a guy um and so i kind of like that but i We'll wave the flag of being weary of trailer deception, which has gotten me many, 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 many times. Um, I hope this is the tone of the film. I hope this is, I hope it is a accurate representation of the of what this film actually is. If so, it could be a really, really special film. So we shall see. Um, all right, so let's get to then the actual use of Charlie Chaplin's smile very famous song, in the trailer. Uh, and I'll just go around and ask what you each thought about it. Jim, I, I'll ask you to go last because I know you have the most to say. Uh, what you thought about it in the trailer. I'll go first because I probably have the least to say. Um, I thought it worked very well in the film. Uh, I thought it was edited very well within the trailer. Not the film, but the trailer. Uh, Maybe a little bit on the nose if you had to pick like, hey, Joker trailer's coming out. What song do you think they might use? This would be in the top five. It's like it's going to be this or what's the what's what's the title of the song? Even though your heart is breaking, laugh clown laugh or laugh, smile clown. What is that song? You know what I'm talking about? Is that no one knows? That. You're talking. You know, are you talking tears of a clown? No, 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 no. Um, those are the words of the song. Even though your heart is breaking, laugh that, clown laugh. Well, even smile. though your heart is. Even though your heart is breaking, is part of smile. Oh, but no, not maybe, the laugh, clown laugh. That's something else, I think. Hmm. Maybe I'm mixing two songs together. Well, maybe that song doesn't exist. <laughs> but there's only a few that would come to mind. Like, oh yeah, they do something like this, and that would be one of them. But even though it was a little on the nose, I thought it worked really well within within the trailer. Uh, what about you, Kristen? Um, I feel like. Juxtaposition is starting to become a thing again with trailers. Yeah, it, reminds, it is. It reminds me of the uh, the Godzilla King of Monsters trailer where they used mm-hmm. Claire de Lune. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, and I quite liked that. Um, so I, I kind of like the clash between the sound and the image. It'll start getting overused and I'll hate it in <laughs> about six yeah. months. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's borderline already almost there in terms of overuse. Um, it, it's been used a bit and it's like, mm, come on, guys. But, you know... I, this one makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Dane, what about you? What do you think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it, it was it was effective in sort of giving me warm fuzzies while at the same time giving me a uh, feeling. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, ver- a very much a sense of impending tragedy uh, through, yeah. through, with it. Yep. Dane, what about you? I thought it was perfect. Um kind of gave you the idea of the ironicness of the Joker's classic grin, right? You know, behind that happy grin is a sad, terrified man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, or he's evil and insane. I mean... Well, based on the trailer, he's sad and terrified. Or evil and insane. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe just sad. He just doesn't want to nail it down to one thing. <laughs> he just won't it, let it's, it be it's a couple, it's, No, it's, it's a couple of different interpretations of the Joker. I mean, there's Heath Ledger's mm-hmm. Joker, who's complete psychopath, and then there was Jack Nicholson's Joker, who was totally about greed and revenge, and then you have, you know, the the gleefully evil. Uh, Joker of like the the Dick Sprang style Joker from the the Silver Age, so mm. there there are a couple different ways to interpret him. And then the gangster Joker from Suicide Squad. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of uh, his little la- uh, laugh, little sample of his laugh? I did like in that. The trailer. I like I that a lot. I thought it was good. It, yeah, it reminded too. me of like a like a baby Mark Hamill laugh. <laughs> That's really disturbing. <laughs> he is a good joker. Hamill. He is. Man. Oh, yeah. He's an excellent joker. All right, Jim. Give us the lowdown. What did you think about Smile in the trailer? I loved it. I was, like I said, I was surprised to hear it in there. Um, and it's Jimmy Durante's version, which I wasn't familiar with. Oddly enough, in all those years I researched that book, that was mm. one I did not come across. And I like that version because it's more upbeat than we usually get. The song is usually mm. played very sad and very dour um, and very slow. And this one has a little gentle beat. Um, the guy who did the arrangement is Roy Bargy, who was Jimmy Durante's um, musical director and arranger for like, 20 some odd years and smile is on their last album together. So it's sort of appropriate if you sort of know that backstory, not that you need that, but I thought it was that alone also gave me the sort of warm fuzzies though. I didn't really, I have never used that phrase in my life. <laughs> you have now. You heard it here first. <laughs> Recorded for all posterity. Yeah. But I did feel that. And I liked that they add a little reverb to it and gave it sort of this sound like it's coming from some distant transistor radio that he's hearing mm-hmm. in his head from the past. Mm-hmm. And then it just turns evil. They 
put on the orchestra overlay and I don't know who did the arrangement on that, but it is brilliant. Um, they hit all the hit points, you know, in the editing, you know, like when the smile just snaps away and all these other things. And it's just, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, it made me excited. I also saw a chaplain. There's this one scene in the trailer where he's thrown out of some event and there are these two banners of chaplain in modern times out on the, um, what do you call it out on the edge of the building? So I know chaplain's part of this mm -hmm. um, and everybody's sending me messages. So I'm going to shut up now and check what everybody's trying to tell me. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. no, 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 that, no, oh, that was the tick strikes again. Sorry. <laughs> oh, everybody, everybody's having a conversation without me and paying that, no <laughs> attention to me. Okay, no, I, I, get I, it. I did pay attention. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I get it. No, go ahead. I just have a, your little conversation. I just, good. I just did a, a Wikipedia search and "Laugh Clown Laugh" is from 1920. It was written by. A, it was written for a Lon Chaney film of the same name. So Christopher's not crazy. Yeah, I just said, "Yay, I'm not stupid." <laughs> Never. So you were talking about <laughs> you're talking about Chaplin actually being a part and referenced in in the trailer and then hence in the film. Yeah, and I saw a, a post on Facebook from the official chaplain office in Paris, and they must have licensed this somehow. So it is part of the movie. Chaplin is part of the movie. I just don't know how much. Hmm. I was going to email them to find out, but it's like, eh, I don't want to know, even if they do know, and they're probably under a gag order anyway, not to say anything. So Yeah. Will you go see it and find out? I will. If Justin gets me, you know, a free ticket in, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> hate paying for serious. movies, man, when people have free tickets. Really hate it. <laughs> it's a serious caveat. Yeah, I'll go see it. Press perks. That's right. <laughs> Press perks. <laughs> Let's let's dive a little bit deeper then. Uh, and Jim, you're going to be the excavator, and we're going to just follow you down the hole. Um, as you've written this book, the music of Charlie Chaplin, um, you do say that you, you cover this topic, you cover this song, and that there is a, a significant backstory to the song "Smile." Uh, share some of that with us. Okay, it's a deep hole. So okay, okay. bear with me as I go through it. Interrupt me as I go along. If you got any questions. Kristen won't send any messages or anything while you're... It totally <laughs> throws me off, man. There's a dramatic arc to this story that I can't be okay. thrown off. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, send all the messages. Okay, so I think we all know, and most people know, that Chaplin couldn't read or write music. So he needed help in transcribing and orchestrating his music for the scores that he did for his films. So the, f the melody for Smile goes all the way back to 1936 for the film Modern Times. And on that movie, he worked with probably the best musical team he ever had. On the podium was Alfred Newman, um, who had also conducted Chaplin's City Lights long before he was at 20th Century Fox. Uh, the co-orchestrator was Edward Powell, who would be Newman's 
orchestrator for the next 20 some odd years. And the arranger and co-orchestrator was this brass 23-year-old youngster by the name of David Raxon, uh, who was orchestrating on Broadway at the time. So the smile melody in the movie is only heard four times, maybe a total of five minutes. That's it. <laughs> wow. And when they were working on the score, Chaplin told Raxon that a little Puccini might be nice. And so this sort of Puccini-esque melody is the love theme for the tramp, played by Chaplin, and the gammon, who's played by Paulette Goddard. And the theme is heard only when the two are together in their home life, whether it's real or dreamlike, and at the very end, when they're walking off onto this dusty, empty road into the sunset. And that's where Smile goes from this pretty little melody into something grand and orchestral. You get the feeling like they're, you know, there's hope for these two, but you're not quite sure. So you got to fast forward now to 1952. Chaplin's releasing, releasing his latest movie, Limelight, which is an homage to the English music halls that he grew up in. And as Chaplin was sailing to London for the world premiere of the film, the U.S. Attorney General sent him a cable rescinding his re-entry permit. So he was effectively locked out of the country. Now, Chaplin had been badgered for years for his political views, accusations of being Jewish, his marriages to much younger and sometimes underage women, his disastrous paternity suit, and a whole lot more. So Chaplin's like, fine, I don't want to come back. He ended up living in Switzerland and came back to the U.S. only once in 1972 to receive an award from the Film Society of Lincoln Center in New York and his honorary Oscar. So because he no longer lived in the U.S., he had to use either French or British musicians. He couldn't rely on the same old Hollywood people they'd had for decades. So, but he couldn't use the Brits too much because of tax reasons. He would have had to pay so much tax if he used the Brits too much. But for this song, you have to enter and you have to grab onto what's called the Peter Morris Music Company. They manage the London arm of Bourne Music, which is Chaplin's U.S. publisher. The company specialized in adapting foreign language songs into English. Is everybody still with me? Mm -hmm. That's yep. long. Okay, good. totally listening. Yep. Good. That's not what I asked. Just want to make sure everybody's following the story. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're listening. I would never say that, except for Christopher. <laughs> he sends messages while I'm trying to say something. <laughs> so at the Peter Morris Music Company, Jeffrey Parsons was one of their lyricists. The head of the company was named James Phillips. He wrote under the pseudonym of John Turner. So if you look at the lyrics to the sheet music for Smile, it says John Turner and Jeffrey Parsons. Now, Jimmy Phillips slash John Turner would usually assign a song to Jeffrey Parsons first, and then he would later suggest changes. That way, he got to share the credit and the royalties for the lyrics. So that's how those two are the lyricists on there. Now, I was on this interview back in January with, the, with BBC4, and they had a guy who was the, I think he was the grandson of Jimmy Phillips, who said that his grandfather had, maybe he was a nephew, I can't remember, who'd said this story that, you know, Jimmy Phillips was the one who was the main writer of the lyrics for Smile. In all the years I did research on the book, I never heard that story until that radio broadcast. 
I'm not, you know, there's no reason to disbelieve him, but until I have further proof, I won't totally believe it. Hmm. Anyway, back to 1952. I'm not at Smile yet. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Jeffrey Parsons first worked with Chaplin on the lyrics for the song Eternally, which was based on the main theme from Limelight, and it was a huge hit. So in 1954, Chaplin planned on reissuing Modern Times, and Born Music wanted to find another theme like Eternally or the Terry theme, which was the instrumental version of the Limelight theme, as a possible, you know, way to make more money. But Chaplin wasn't interested because Bourne hadn't paid him the $14,000 in royalties that he always he was already owed for Eternally and the Terry theme. So Chaplin was just going to say, no, we're not going to do anything from Rod End Times. Bourne ignored him and went ahead and wrote a lyric anyway. Jeffrey Parsons and I'll say yes, John Turner did the <laughs> lyric um, and gave it to Chaplin. Now, the conductor for Limelight, Keith Williams, claimed that he had persuaded Chaplin to let him extract the theme from modern times, and he got paid $85 for it. And he was said this in Variety. So, you know, if it's in print, like the internet, it's true. <laughs> Must be true. <laughs> but I never found any record of it in the Chaplin archive. So, makes a good story, but I don't know how true it is. So... The first version of Smile that everybody knows is Nat King Cole's. Had a great arrangement by Nelson Riddle, and that's the standard that everybody copies. It's those syrupy strings, that beautiful, smooth voice that Nat King Cole had. And unfortunately, that's how we think of the song. It's not the hopeful version from the end of modern times. It's this, and even in the when you hear the theme in the rest of modern times, it's not sad. It's just a lovely little melody that you just hear for a little bit. And in 1936, you would have never thought anything of it. Hear it, hear it. Now your ear perks up because you know that melody. Um, but all the other versions I've heard pretty much follow that. Trini Lopez does a really upbeat, groovy one that I love. Jimmy Durante's is more upbeat than usual because it's got that soft, gentle beat in the background. And so when I hear this song come on in the Joker, A, I was glad it was not Nat King Cole's or somebody else. I was glad that it was sort of an upbeat version so that when that orchestral overlay came in and it those harsh piano chords and everything, it was really menacing. Because I was lulled into this sort of Oh, he's got this pretty song that I know very well as his little backstory. Nope. Evil. Just evil. There is something <laughs> dirty and down and dirty going on here. And I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. Hmm. And that's nice. the story. I kind I really like that you mentioned that it was orchestrated by or arranged by Nelson Riddle since he did the Batman theme from the television show. <laughs> Yes. Oh. And the score to the movie. Yeah. Sometimes you All can't right. get rid of a bomb. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> that's a wild connection. That That is a wild coincidence, yeah. But he did not do Jimmy Durante's version. Sorry. Okay, okay. But, you know, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the original, the original tone of the song that, Charlie Chapman wrote was much more positive, much more upbeat. 
and didn't want to, didn't make you feel like crying instead of smiling as most of them do. No, and because he said, you know, as he told David Raxon, he wanted it to sound like Puccini. I mean, it may have, you know, sort of Puccini wrings some tears, you know, out of you, but it was it was soaring. It was operatic. That's what it mm. was going for. And that also just thought of this in the trailer as that orchestra comes in, that's what you're getting. You've got the chorus in the background doing their little ooh-ahs, ooh-ahs, and you've got this huge orchestra. It is operatic. This is, I think, if the music is any indication of what the movie is going to be, it's a much bigger, broader, grander story than we may expect for that character. Okay, I'm more interested now. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All because of the music. Now, um, Gilder, Guna, uh, Hilder Gunadatir is doing the music, so I'm really curious if it's going to have this tone at all. Um, that's not usually her bag, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe she'll incorporate it. We shall see. We can hope. We'll see. She tends to be more minimalist. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Well, that will uh, disappoint me. Sorry. Yeah. I'm used to He's being disappointing now. It's not my first time. <laughs> no. That's part of the trailer deception. Oh, get set up musically. Busted. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. We shall see. Um, I don't know if it's happened in the past, but maybe there's been such positivity to a trailer and the music used in it that it affects the eventual soundtrack. I don't know if that's happened. I would guess that maybe it has on some level. Maybe. Maybe. Hey. I'm sure these marketers pay attention to to the buzz that happens. If nothing else, they tack it onto the soundtrack at the end, even though it's not in the movie. <laughs> they just pop it on there so people can have it. Um, it definitely sells in Amazon. You can find all the trailer music for any trailer ever, re- well, not ever released, but at least in the last few years. You can always find the trailer music for sale mm-hmm. in, in Amazon. So I wouldn't be surprised if this rendition that's used in the trailer um, hopefully with the the Jimmy Durante, but with the orchestral layer to it, maybe. Maybe you can find that in Amazon. Um, well, that was really interesting, Jim. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your book, um, The Music of Charlie Chaplin. I know it's not just about Smile. There's a whole lot more uh, to his life in music. What can you, what can you, what are some of the hi- other highlights? Well, the book basically is a biography of Chaplin viewed through his musical contributions, him as a composer. So when I first started working on it many, many years ago, um, one of the things I had to sort of get over was as a trained musician and having paid my dues in music school and all those other kinds of things, how could I tell this story about someone who composed, quote unquote, yet couldn't read or write music. Um, So that took a little mental hurdle to get over uh, when I first started working on the book. But the reason I started working on it is because when I first started learning about film music, the first score I ever bought was The Omen. And then after that was Star Wars and Close Encounters, and then I was hooked. (laughs) So because The Omen and Star Wars won Oscars, I thought, oh, well, all really good scores win Oscars. (laughs) I was only 14. So, you know, you learn pretty quickly that that's not true. 
but I use the Oscars every year, moving forward and going back to learn about film music. I may not have learned the greatest scores, but I got exposed to all the really great composers for film music. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And one of the things that always uh, bugged me was Limelight won an Oscar in 1972. The movie came out in 1952. Why did it win 20 years later? Because it didn't open in Los Angeles until 1972. Wow. And if The Godfather had not been disqualified, Hmm. it would have won. Um, But it was disqualified for reasons I won't go into here. And Chaplin won. So there are three names on that uh on that win. One's Chaplin, one is his arranger, Ray Rash, and another guy, Larry Russell. Larry Russell was also an arranger in Hollywood, but he had nothing to do with the film. Nothing. He's on no paperwork, nothing. And that whole <laughs> long story about the Oscar bookends my book uh, because I wanted to get to the heart of it. I got as close as I could. Um, I think I semi-solved it but not completely. But that was one of the reasons I took on the book. So (laughs) the whole book is, like I said, a biography, looked through him as a composer. Starting in 1931 with City Lights, he wrote all the music for his scores, all the way up to Account Us From Hong Kong, which is his last feature film in 1967. (laughs) Then in his 80s, he went back to all the shorts that he still owned the copyright to and added scores to those up wow. until the year before he died at age 87 or whatever it was. <clears throat> so the whole way, of course, he needed people to help. So that whole thing was, to me, a good story. It wasn't that I was a huge Chaplin fan at the time. I became one. <laughs> but... I had a good story at hand or what I thought was a good story. And hopefully that story amongst all the discussions of the film music and how it works in the film and all that other stuff, the story itself. And I hope you get a, a better idea of not Chaplin, not just Chaplin as a person and as a composer, but all the unsung men he worked with who never saw the light of day because they never got credit for anything. Hmm. So that was my goal to bring all that to light. Hmm. Well, wow. I have the book. I haven't been able to read but a few pages of it so far. And man, it's, as we were talking before we went live, and it's seriously meaty. Um, it's not something you're going to just like breeze through. At least I'm not going to be able to breeze through it, you know, in a couple of days. This is, this is meaty stuff, but there are already things in there that have caught my eye and my attention, and I can't wait to uh, get all the details on them. I mean, one of the pictures early picture shows him, I think he's toting around his cello um, and he's in Sacramento. And I'm like, what? Charlie Chaplin went to Sacramento, which is where I'm from. I'm like, that's not possible because Sacramento didn't exist then, (laughs) but apparently it did. And he was there. And I just thought it's just awesome um, just to to know that. Um, And I mean, there's lots of, you have lots of musical notation in there. And I mean, your bibliography could be a chapter unto itself. Um, I mean, you have a lot of information in the book. And I love the cover 
I love the design. That's awesome. That's my logo, by the way. That's, you came up with that? That's my design, yeah. That's really well done. Rest, really well done. The rest of it I didn't do, but that one I came up with. That's excellent. It's really smart. Um, any questions, final questions for, for Jim and uh, about the music of Chaplin before Charlie Chaplin before we wrap up? So, Jim, if you go back to the uh, to the the Downey Jr. movie, how accurate do you think that film is after you've done your research? Well, Richard Attenborough was a friend of Chaplin's and was a huge fan. David Raxon was an advisor on the film. Okay. So I think most of it is pretty accurate. There are... Well, the, uh, I think the opening scene where he goes on stage for his mother, I mean, there are little licenses taken here and there, but I don't think most people will notice or care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a film. It doesn't have to be a documentary. Right. Th- they can take as much license as they need to, but I think it gives a pretty good look at how his movies were made, what he was like, um, maybe a bit loving a bit more loving view of him than he may actually have been. Hmm. But, you know, I never met the guy, so maybe it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great film. And if, if people listening have not seen that film, Chaplin, starring Robert Downey Jr., that was the film that told me, oh, Robert Downey Jr. can really act. Yeah, he's great um, at it. Yeah. He can also yeah. sing, too. There's a great Which album I, called The Futurist in which he sings Smile. Um, which I highly recommend to Yes, he does quite a good job of it. Very talented dude, as was Charlie Chaplin. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Jim Lochner, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and giving us all that wonderful insight into Smile and a little bit more on Charlie Chaplin. The book is called The Music of Charlie Chaplin. Um, it was released in uh, November. October October 2018. Yeah, October. October 2018. You can find it on Amazon and just about everywhere. Is there anywhere special you'd like to drive people to to get the book? Wherever they want to buy it, I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have a link or a couple links in the notes if you're looking for a direct way to to get his book. From what I've been able to go through so far, I do recommend it. Um, Jim, how can people find and follow you and ask you questions about Batman and the Joker. Oh, well, you know, because <laughs> I, I'm a perfect person to ask about Batman and the Joker. Um, <laughs> but I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram until I delete one or all of them because I'm so <laughs> sick of social media, but that's a different conversation. Um, but I'm there for now. Or uh, you can find me through my website, jimlochner.com, and you can email me through the contact page there. Awesome. Kristen, how can people find and follow you? Easiest way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. You can find FilmScore Monthly online at FSMOnlineMag.com. Also on Twitter at FSMOnlineMag. And Dane? Even it's yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, how can people find him? Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Smile when your heart is... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, You can go to www.danewalkermusic.com. You can find me. Go on SoundCloud. Combine Dane with Walker and Music, and you can find me there. And you can find me on Twitter at at Maestro Dane. 
Wow, I should have spelled all mine out. Oh, well, they'll find me if they need to. You can if you want. Nah, they'll find me. Okay. okay. <laughs> and they will find you. Um, you can, of course, find us on Twitter at Audio Soundcast. Let us know what you thought of the Joker trailer and or Charlie Chaplin and his music. Send us an email to soundcast at tracksounds.com. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at C. Coleman. That's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until our next episode, we want to tell you to smile. Aww. Now I realize it's a comedy. Just...